Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. It's really good to be back. Uh, This is Season 4, Suicides and Forgiveness, and I am really honored to start the season with my next guest, Coach Nathaniel J. Brown. He's a speaker, a coach, a published author, and Nathaniel's mission is changing the world one perspective at a time. Now, back on December 13th, 2022, the world lost a really good man, Stephen Twitch Boss. In the days that followed, I was very moved by a post on Instagram that really spoke to the issue of men and suicide. Twitch was only 40. And there's a larger issue here of men being alone. In 2023, I can't believe, first of all, where the time's gone and how much we have to talk about. I am incredibly honored today to be able to talk to Coach Nathaniel J. Brown. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Everybody knows that suicide survivors and all of that is so near and dear to my heart. I literally put it out to the universe on the day that I found out that we lost Twitch, that I needed to talk to somebody because I have seen more and more men that we're losing. And lo and behold, God provided Nathaniel, (laughs) I'm going to let you take it from here for a minute. Can you just give us a little bit about, I I think it's your mission, your passion, and and we'll go from there. Yeah. um, The the issue is this. Men, that's the issue. And I was... I'm I'm dealing with some of my own mental health things. I'm, you know, talking to a therapist and everything myself, even as someone who has positioned themselves to be of be of service to individuals who are having some difficulties breaking through some whatever those things are. I I came to the realization that what makes men decide, make a make a decision to exit this reality. It comes down to something that I think everybody should realize. It's the expectations of society on men that's actually breaking them. And here's why I say that. What matters to most men only matters to the man itself. 
And then what matters to the ones that he is to be caring for also has to matter to him. So there's no one there to unburden the man of all the things that society is asking for him to have matter to them, to him. So we've got men who, by the time they're in their 40s, are falling apart because they've been groomed into a reality that says it's all on you and you've got no help. And if you're hurting, suck it up because there are no excuses. Make some adjustments adjustments, change whatever you got to change. And then everybody else stays the same. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, um, uh, a Truman show where you're watching things happen and they should matter to everyone around. Hey, can you not see these cycles? Can you not see that we need to make a shift here? And everyone's saying, Oh, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that because I don't have to, why don't you take care of it? And then the man takes care of it. And not until he's dead, do anyone realize that he was holding everything together? And I think that kind of a conversation needs to happen. And there needs to be more normalization of uh, healing conversations with a licensed professional by men, especially men in the black community. Absolutely. That was so well said. And I can't speak to the black community. Uh, <laughs> Like, let's let's face it. I'm I'm the ultimate white person right. you're ever going to meet. Right, 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 Scottish, right, 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 right. Irish, yeah. But something that I saw, even as a young teenager, the burden is always put on the man. When when I was um, twelve or thirteen, we had gone home to Scotland, and there was always a bit of tension. Uh, for my father and mother, because my mother was Catholic and my father was Protestant. Before he married my mother, his mother had been Catholic. And I didn't understand or know at the time that that religious strife had caused issues for my grandfather as well. I only saw it within my parents. Right. And I can remember waking up one evening and my mother and father were talking quietly mm -hmm. and my father was upset and I was in shock because he was my father. He's the man. Mm -hmm. Men don't do that. Men right. don't get upset. Oh, right. Right. it was like, Oh my God. Why is he having feelings? No, no, he's the rock. Mm -hmm. And it took me years to understand, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of, I'm 67 years old, so I was a child of the 60s, and back yeah. then, men did not have feelings, or show emotion, or acknowledge right. anything, and further to that, neither did we, right. women, yeah. because in that day and age, if you told people that you had off thoughts or you mm -hmm. were suicidal they'd lock you mm -hmm. up yep they'll put and you in asylum yep yes they would and i actually volunteered at an asylum and there is an episode in the last season where i talk about a young man wow. that i met in school and he all he did was run away over and over and they ended up putting him in the asylum which is what led to me never ever saying a word 
until a couple of years ago when I became honest Mm -hmm. with how I felt and started really working on this podcast. But what I found and why I wanted you here that day, Twitch was such an incredible gift. Okay. He made so many people smile. He was so talented and it just breaks my heart that yet another good man we have lost. Yeah. Part of the issue for me, why I do this, I want to end the stigma. I want to end the silence. We need to get it out there. We need to talk. If you're, I don't care if yeah. you're a man, you're a woman, you're, you're non-binary, whatever you are. If you have horrible thoughts or you don't feel good, reach out to somebody, your yeah. neighbor, somebody on the street. Talk to someone. You yes. will need to get professional help, but yeah. reach out to another human. You will be yes. amazed how often people will allow you to give so them good. your story. So and good. that yes. to me is so incredibly important. And in yeah. your community, I've done some background research since you and I first texted because mm-hmm. we hadn't spoken until today. Right, and, right, and right. I, yeah, I I am heartsick at, at just how prevalent suicide is and and yeah. how do we take the onus off the men in the community, especially the black community? Yeah. You, you've, you've carried the, the weight of so much for so long. I think all of us, all of us, because we're all human. Mm-hmm. I, I want us all to start the conversation whether you have been in the situation, whether you have ever been suicidal or lost anyone mm-hmm. or, or known of someone, I, I want you to step up. Stop waiting for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all step up. Yeah. Yeah. It's inconvenient, you know, and sometimes yeah. it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna get off my high horse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Stay I, on I, that horse. Yeah, well, I will definitely be vigilant over here, but I'd like you to give us a bit about you and and how this came to be so important. Mm-hmm. I my story is probably more typical um than most would realize, especially in the black community in the South. It's probably a very typical story from the South. Um, I grew up in South Carolina, Um, you know, very meager upbringing. We weren't rich, but we had everything we need, as do most. Um, But I had an incident where about eight years old, I was sexually um, uh, mishandled by uh, a member of my family and i didn't know what it meant then you know you kind of just are in shock that it all happened you know you don't, you don't really know what you're, you're eight you don't really have the, the faculties to really filter yeah. that experience properly but uh right about maybe my teenage years i started finding myself more angry than i 
feel like I should have been. And I didn't really have a, a place to, to put it. And right about mid 20s is when it all came back, like the whole incident, the, the feeling of abandonment, all of it showed up all at one time. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I just was this like this pilot, like waiting for waiting for gas, you know, just waiting to be ignited um, in whatever way. So I, I, I got into relationships with this thing in the backdrop, like, well, I'm going to be abandoned anyway. So I don't need to. There's no reason to show all the way up. Right. I'm, they're going to leave anyway. That's usually how it happens. You know, somebody takes something they want from me and then they're gone and I have, I'm, I'm left to silence and darkness. Right. So I had that experience going through life and around about, uh, say, I started breaking a little bit in about 2016 is where I, I felt I, I started being more and more um, emotionally triggered than I usually had been. And of course, I adopted this thing where I didn't talk about my emotions. I didn't talk about my feelings. Even if I, you know, got angry and and, and did anything, I I just, you know, I I'm good. I'm the guy who goes to a vacant parking lot at two o'clock in the morning and just screams in my car. That's the kind of stuff that men have to deal with, and especially the story is. I've heard the story from my community more often than I should be hearing this story. And and it's a bit sickening after you've heard it so many times, but I had this experience about, um, about a couple of years ago. And this is leading up to me really understanding what the event meant and how to get a handle on it and really finding a way to observe it and not be it and relive it all the time. Because um, one of the things that I've learned through just reading uh, uh, articles and, and psychology material is that we have the capacity through what they call perseverance or rumination to even when an event is over, we'll keep replaying it because we have the executive functions of the prefrontal cortex, right? So we'll keep remembering it. And every time you remember something, you reattach it. That's what it means to remember. A member is, an, is a point at which you attach something. So it's a limb. You just reattach it. To dismember it is to unattach it. So the idea is to dismember yourself from the event, and then you can see it from a different vantage point. So I had to learn how to see things differently. And I had an experience. I went into this meditation. this kind of weird thing that I saw online. And I closed my eyes. And the minute I closed my eyes, I'm in tears. So I know this is going to be a deep experience. And I closed my eyes. I walked out of this door that appeared and then this spiraling staircase is in front of me that's going down. So I go all the way down the staircase and at the bottom of the staircase is this door. I open the door. I'm at my home in the 1980s looking at at my home. I walk in the door. It's completely abandoned. So there's the abandonment, the feeling of being left alone, right? So it's it's not that, here's the thing. Ladies, gentlemen, however you identify yourselves, men, the definition of alone for men isn't being by ourselves. The definition for alone for men is what matters to me only matters to me. There's there's not a shared value system here. There's not something that you can see and you're willing to participate in what matters to me. Right. So that makes men feel lonely and that makes us feel abandoned. 
Okay. So it's, 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 so when I walk into this house, this abandoned house, there's no furniture. There's a rusty box spring in the old room I used to sleep in. And there's this little boy sitting on the, on the box spring, which is me. He was eight years old. He was me. I walked into a memory of myself and I had to regain the trust of this child. And when I was able to regain the trust, he grabbed me by the hand. We walked out the door. And as we were leaving the house, the door appears in front of us. And I looked back and I said to the young child, I said, you're never coming back here again. Because I was able to be that love, that safe place, that place for this child to be heard and understood. And even in my therapy session today, my, my gratitude was it felt really good for somebody to just sit and listen to what the hell is going on in here. Because it's a lot of stuff happening and churning. I've got a lot of memories. I've got a lot of epigenetic memories. I got a lot of trauma in my DNA from the transatlantic slave trade and all these other things. That's a traumatic experience to know that people chose suicide over slavery. How many bodies? They, they actually did a study. They, they believe that the, the, the course that the great white sharks take in their migration changed because of the slave trade. And the bodies that were either dumped over or the ones that jumped because they'd rather not be enslaved. So this kind of thing is deep. It, 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 it sits in a deep place. But back to the story, um, we, I, I tell the child, which is me, you're not coming back here again. So we're not coming back to the abandoned state. We're not coming back to the trauma again. We're leaving. The door appears again. The stairwell is in front of me. It only goes up. So we walk up the stairwell. The door, a door appears and we walk out and I'm now standing in front of my home here in North Carolina. And I'm walking the child, which is me, telepathically through all the rooms of the house, showing them all the toys, showing him all my, my instruments, showing him uh, my, my son, David, uh, showing him my wife, just all the things, right? Showing him all, everybody in the house. I said, this is what you have now. This is yours now. And the minute... I said that we both came back into our bodies telepathically and then he walked into mine. So there was this integration effect. And the reason why I tell this story this way, and some people say, well, how do you always tell it? Well, it, it's about the integration. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is marry again, the whole man and the child back. What slavery did and what apartheid did is it, it instilled a psychology of having to strive for what you already had a right to, right? We already had a right to uh, societal norms, right? We, they were fighting for civil norms. And men are fighting for civil norms. Treat me like you would anybody else with an emotional capacity for rage and anger and love and, and disappointment and fear and all those other things, right? It's because we feel those things. We just language them differently. And I think the reason that we're having so much of this issue is that we, there's a lack of vocabulary, but there's a lack of listeners. So if you listen with the expectation of hearing something a certain way, then you'll miss what's actually being said. So when the man is saying, man, I'm just tired, there's a lot in that tired. If you go up to a man and say, how you doing? Most of us will say, I'm good, man. We're not good. So because society has taught us how to uh, superficially communicate with one another, how you doing? It's a, it's, a, it's a response, right? We're not 
used to spending time because we're on the go. This is the way the society runs. It's just go, 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 go. Where in tribal societies, it's we spend time with one another. Right? You get to know one another. You're testing their heart by their word and their bearing, as uh, as it says in the Emerald Tablets. It's it's one of those things. That's how you get to know. And that sort of community coming together, whatever that is, that level of collaboration can save so many lives. I'm not often lost for words, <laughs> but right at this moment. You just decoded the difference between men and women, not just men of color, but men in general. And and you took, I have to go back to your meditation and your time with your child self. You took and transmuted that trauma. And brought him in, oh my God, for you to know, to understand that you had to show him where he is now, what he has now, who he has now, first of all, is absolutely incredible. You are really meant to lead in this area. There is no two ways about that in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, it's 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 become my new mission. It's be, not new mission. It's always been my mission. I just didn't know how it was going to launch, how it was going to happen. But yeah. the organic conversations I've had with young men, 20s and their teens, all the way to men who are older than I am. And these conversations are happening and I'm learning things about just the sh- stuff that men go through. Yeah. And I see why we're breaking. I yeah. see it. I see why. And it's because it's just a lack of understanding. And it's not it's not lack of understanding because someone is ignorant. It's no. it's not it's, it's not a question of intelligence here. The word understanding in this context means that you're not making enough room for another reality to have a place to exist because that's what grace is. The word grace in the Hebrew is the word chen, right? It's two letters. It's a chet. And a noon, it's a noon sophie, which means it's on the tail end of the word, which extends below the uh, the line. And the noon is, it just represents the seed of life. It looks like a sperm cell when you when it's drawn uh, in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. But the chet is a fence. It's like a border, right? So it means to expand, to make the tent continue. So what, what happens is, what, 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 what they would do in the olden time is when a father of the house his daughter marries or his son's married. They bring the family of the married couple into the tent. And in order for them to fit, you've got to make room in the tent for the new family. So what the father would do is he would take the tent bo- uh, the tank pads and the borders and expand them out, stretch the skins and get more room. That's what understanding is. That's what grace means. It means that I'll sit and make room for your experience so I can understand who the hell you are so I can relate to this human being, not just stoic, non-feeling man, but a man who has feelings, who is capable of all the spectrums of emotions. And they are they are they are true. 
those emotions are true. They are universally true. They're not some false thing. You don't get to redefine them just because you're of a different gender, of a different political status or whatever that is. These emotions are true because they are universally true. You can't change them. They exist in every culture and every man that's ever lived. We're just giving voice to them now. So the things that were buried long past now have a voice and now we got to listen. Everybody's got to listen. Women have to listen. Men have to listen. And even some young, young kids have to listen. And, and Gary, you have to say you're preaching that starting with the men, you have to allow yourselves the space to be able to let that understanding in. To be able to let the rest of us become part yeah. of the tribe in the tent. Yes, yes, we so all good can be that. part. That's so good you said it because that was the thing that that's one of the things my my wife would often argue with me about. She would say, "Well, you don't let me in," and I'm like, "You can't handle this." You can't. Ha- the best you can do is listen to it because I don't want you to try to understand all of it. You can't handle all of this. But if you'll if you'll be an ear, just let me let me talk and not try to figure anything out for me. I'm I'm happy to communicate. But what I don't want to do is expel express all this stuff in me, and then it becomes a space of criticism. It becomes, and most men I've heard this where. You, they share the most intimate hurts and pains and it gets weaponized against them in tense moments, right? So this is another thing that shuts, shuts men up because we don't want to be, we don't want to be attacked just because we walk around with a hard shell doesn't mean we don't have a soft inside, right? So we don't want to be attacked. And the th- thing that can hurt us the most is the thing that we gave you from ourselves, Right. We it's gave you our heart. Exactly. It's like we, the, the, our own vulnerability is weaponized against us. And then there's really no place to go, because once vulnerability for a man has been weaponized. He'll call an Uber. And he'll call an Uber and he'll go to a, a hotel. And he'll turn his phone off and he'll end it. Because you didn't take the time to pay attention to anything else other than yourselves. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm positioning myself to do what I do. Because it's 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 real. It's not only real, it's well past time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm in therapy now, dealing with things because of my own triggers. Right. I got my own stuff from childhood that I'm dealing with. And and just just past holiday, I had a, a, a moment where I lost my 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 grip on things and I needed to, to, to recalibrate myself. So I'm in this space because I know what it feels like. You can't help nobody if you didn't go there yet. Right. Yeah. You, if you don't know what it feels like to be there, then how are you going to lead anybody? You can't lead anybody where you haven't been. But this is how I lead the way is that I let people know that, hey, it's okay to not be okay and still live and breathe and be grateful for every moment. Absolutely. And 
it happens in women as well. When you feel like you have to take on the world all on your own. Because both men and women have estrogen and testosterone. That's right. And it isn't always meted out the way people assume. Right. So I think there really is a bigger conversation here as well. Mm -hmm. Because the concept of getting away from the pain, I don't honestly believe anyone wants to end their life per se. I believe they want to end their pain. That's it. Whatever that pain is. And it can be different for lots of people. But when you are insular, and and that's what you're showing me, that that men are more insular. We've we've made them that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, this... We are the monsters we have created. That's right. That's right. That's so true. And and it's time for us to start healing all of it. And that begins with conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's really not hard. My favorite movie, my favorite movie of all time, I can watch it any day, anytime. It's Beauty and the Beast. And I love the movie because most men are like the beast, right? They've got this rugged, rough, yeah, but they 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 protect their front with their lives. Like they're just, you know, we'll growl, you know, we'll growl it out. But there's this scene in the movie, and I was talking to this about to about this to my therapist today. It's a scene in the movie where um, the beast brings Bell into the library and there's a ball dance, right? They're, they're about to have dinner, all right? And while they're eating dinner, the beast, he's got his bowl and he's going in, right? He's got his face in his bowl. He's just being all, he's being animalistic. He's being himself. That's who he is right now. Yeah. But Bell, she's so put together, you know, she's so ladylike. She scoops her spoon, you know, she gets a little soup and with the spoon and then she's like wait a minute let me make room for this experience and what did she do she takes her spoon and puts it down on the table she takes the bowl in her hand and she puts her face in the bowl and you see this smile on the beast's face like oh wow let me try what you do so he tried the spoon as well so that's how you make room we're now in each other's tent at first, they weren't. They were just kind of existing. He was sort of bringing things together. Now, the minute they shared an experience, something that they both would do, what the beast would do, she did. What she would do, the beast did. And that's where the love actually starts. That's where the love connection really starts to happen when you make room for somebody else's experience to exist in the same space that you're in. That's the castle. That's how you get the empire. You get the empire by making room for one another, and then we all become rulers in it. But if we making the monster thing thing to be separate from us, that's yeah. where we are caused this 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 disorder. Everybody thought something about the beast, but it was all stories. It was all hearsay. It's all like they say thoughts, nothing concrete. It wasn't until someone experienced something different than the narrative 
because she met him where he lived. Where he was, exactly. Yes. Nobody um, will ever watch that movie again after this after this podcast episode. They'll never watch it the same again. <laughs> uh, oh my God, that is so perfect. So perfect. And always loved the story, loved the movie, was obsessed with the television show. Mm-hmm. Now I know why. Uh-huh. There it is. My my head is actually exploding. <laughs> there are so many, so many pieces wow. that I think we need to explore and so many. Oh my God, yes. this is amazing. Amazing. So first of all, before I do anything else, I would like you to come back. Okay. Another time, please. Absolutely. Because I, 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 I think we have conversations to build on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you could instill just one thing right now, today, mm-hmm. in our audience, what would that mm-hmm. be? Just one tiny thing that people can do. Or say or be say here's something that i like to use poe dameron from star wars i said this on a on a recent panel that i was on and when i first saw the quote heard the quote from the movie star wars the rise of skywalkers episode nine i i it almost brought me to tears and poe dameron says about the first order he says the first order wins by making us think we're alone. We're not alone. Good people will fight for us if we lead them. Leia never gave up, and neither will we. We're going to show them we're not afraid. What our mothers and fathers fought for, we will not let die. Not today. Today we make our last stand for the galaxy, for Leia, for everyone we've lost. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we'll lead them. That was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I think it's also important from the perspective of our men of our non-binary, of mm-hmm. our women who yeah. feel that deep aloneness mm-hmm. to try one more time to reach out. Mm-hmm. Just don't give up. Don't give up. You know, just, I always believe one, one, just try one more time. Just one more, one time. more time. Yeah. Ed Milet, he um he has a book called The Power of One More. One more rep, one more dig, one more step. That's all it takes. Yeah. I cannot thank you enough for coming on here and and giving so much of yourself. Thank you. I I hope I have honored you by 
seeing and hearing exactly what you're saying. You have. I can feel I can feel the exchange. Because I, I believe I am forever changed by our conversation. Wow. wow. And it's good. Yeah. It's so, so good. Wow. That's good to hear. So Thank in you. a wow. oh you are you are so welcome. Thank you. No, <laughs> wow. And and in an odd nod to Stephen Boss Twitch, this is something useful that has come out of us losing him. Yeah. 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 And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Absolutely. Coach Nathaniel J. Brown, I am so grateful for you to have joined me today. All of Nathaniel's information and links, social links, etc., you know you'll be able to find in the transcripts of the podcast. And we will most definitely be having him back. I'm Elaine Lindsay. And once again, I say to you, make the very most of your today every day. Thanks very much for being with us. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notified for the next episode. And if what you hear in any of our episodes resonates with you or helps in any way, please be kind and leave a review. It'll be greatly appreciated. Until next time. In closing, I just want to say Coach Nathaniel took us deep and I'm paraphrasing his words here, but men need to allow for the space to let the rest of us become part of their tribe in the tent. As Nathaniel said, one of the most dangerous things is when a man shares those most vulnerable thoughts and feelings. And down the road, in a tough moment, it becomes weaponized against him. Be sure to join me next time as we work to end the stigma, silence, and shame around suicide, ideation, and mental health. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Kroon, the motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.